Welcome to Brain Slides, the presentation podcast for teachers, helping you present better to teach better. Well, welcome back to Brain Slides. This is episode two. We're going to be talking a little bit today about getting to know your tools, um, presenting applications and other things that you can use as resources. And I am Nathan Cash, and your host. And again, joining me today is Mike Pulsifer. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've have had a great weekend. Lots of relaxation and exercise. It's been great. Uh, so last week we kind of introduced the show and um, you know discussed a few important things about presentations. Today we want to talk about the basics of presentations, and that includes the applications that we use to create these things. So what do you think are the most commonly used applications out there? Well, if you're talking about uh, creating the slide decks themselves, of course, there's 800-pound gorilla. It's an easy one right there, and that's, that's, uh, that's PowerPoint itself. Me, personally, I'm a bit partial to Keynote. Um, you know, I like the design tools. Uh, it seems to me just to be a little bit cleaner, and they put more of the more important uh, items out there in front. Uh, but you've got Google Docs. You've got what? There's uh, Slide Rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my coworkers at work uh, used uh, Slide Rocket for a couple of his presentations, and it worked pretty well. I, th- I think they've made a lot of changes since that last time I I wrote a review maybe about a year, year and a half ago, of that service. I like Slide Rocket. I've seen it uh, used in lots of ways, and if it's used as a presentation tool, then I like it quite a bit. Although the way it works is it uses, I think it's Flash, and it embeds it into web pages, and I find people using it in ways that are very abnormal. They use it to post documents instead of slide presentations, and that's the only thing that bothers me about it, but there are some really great features in Slide Rocket. Uh, some other online presenting tools are Prezi, and we talked about that in my office just earlier this week. Uh, it's different than using slides because you've got a huge canvas where you put all of the information and you can kind of zoom in and zoom out, see the big picture as well as all of the details as you go. Uh, we talked specifically about when that's a good thing to use and when it's not because it's very different than a linear presentation where you're going from slide to slide. Uh, You can change it up in the middle, and I think that's a really great tool, and I think we're probably going to be taking some time in future episodes to hit each of these tools a little bit harder. Uh, But when we talk about presenting, I think we, we mentioned this last week, is that most presenters will sit down in front of their computer, open up PowerPoint, and type in their title maybe put in their own name, and then a subtitle, and then they're going to hit a new slide, and it comes up with the title and the bullets, and they start typing in their notes about what they want to see. And we mentioned last week that's probably not the most efficient way to prepare a presentation. So even though we've got these tools, we we need to know how to use them the best way to prepare a presentation that's going to keep our audience entertained. And, you know, I found that one of the greatest ways to do that is to kind of Shut off the computer and step away. Absolutely. Uh, you know, going analog 
is is great for just your your personal mental health, but it's also absolutely essential for developing great presentations. I mean, you gotta, I mean, we, you and I both know that the presentation isn't what we're putting up on the screen. It's what we're telling our audience. So if we don't have that down pat, if we don't have that straight and know exactly what it is that, that we're going to be talking about and sharing, doesn't matter what you put on the slides. So the slides aren't the presentation? Absolutely not. No, I agree. Is they're just a visual. Yeah, the presentation is the information that you're you're speaking, that you're sharing with your audience, whether it's your students. You know, it's there's a reason that we go to a classroom and sit down with a professor who lectures to us rather than just reading out of the textbook. And unfortunately, what I've seen in the classroom is that these slides kind of replace the teacher or simply serve as kind of a uh, teleprompter for the teacher to read off of. And so there's, you really lose a lot of that interaction. And that's what I found most helpful in the classroom is to interact with the teacher, be able to ask questions. And these PowerPoint slides have just kind of taken over in so many lecture halls that I've seen. A bit frustrating, although a lot of students really like that. I think it's probably more that that's what they're accustomed to. That's what they're used to. Uh, you know, people feel threatened or you know, it's quite often generally afraid of the things that are different. I see that all the time where I work where they can't believe they're not getting a slide full of bullet points with complete sentences so that they could read along. I mean, that's that's what they do at meetings, right? Uh, but if you really just force the situation, whether it's you got students in the room, you got coworkers, peers, whatever, um, if you really remove all that extra extra verbiage from your slides and, and just put the essential key points up there, either visually or, or really brief text, I think you're there whether they realize it or not, they'll they'll find themselves retaining that information uh, much better and for longer as well. So if we don't just go into PowerPoint and we don't just type in our lecture notes, then what other options do we have? And, and you mentioned going analog, and that's a mm -hmm. concept that I became familiar with when I read Gar Reynolds' book, Presentation Zen. And his suggestion is to actually shut off the computer, get off the Internet, stop browsing around. But And he even goes as far to say as take a walk, take a hike, go down to the local Starbucks, or even go up into the mountains and and sit in a very quiet, peaceful place where you can just be alone with your thoughts and a pencil and paper. One of the things that, that he's just sort of touching on, but not uh, not really specifically, is that your mind is more apt to be creative and come up with new and different ideas when you're when you put yourself in an unfamiliar situation or unfamiliar location. One of my favorite books after I read Brains, not Brains, um, Brain Rules. Mm -hmm. I have a book was, coming out sometime soon, but not yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was Iconoclast. And really what this book was all about was what really drives people and to be innovators. And one of the stories was about this one researcher who had been really struggling with this 
this one problem for quite some time, and then he went out for a drive along the, I think it might have been that that highway along, along the coast in California, and he just saw something that was unfamiliar. It was an unfamiliar environment for him, and it just triggered this idea. And then the next time he was in his, his office he or lab, he put this idea into practice, and sure enough, he he was well on his way to solving the the problem that had been that had been troubling him for for quite some time. So, it's yes, definitely getting out away from the computers is is absolutely essential. But it may actually even be good too to find a quiet place that you never really sat at before. Yeah. So that was Iconoclast. It's a book by Gregory Burns. Yes. That's an awesome story. Um, there's another book called Back of the Napkin that I think a lot of business people are very familiar with today. And it, again, it's kind of the same idea of being able to come up with ideas wherever you are and recording them. I think that's something that a lot of us miss kind of in our day-to-day lives. We are so busy. We're so uh, linked in, and we are almost directed on what to think. Our Twitter feed comes right. in, our emails come in, and that's where our thoughts are guided. And if we ever do have a creative idea, then I think it's oftentimes we, we just kind of lose that idea. And it just kind of continues on in that flow of information. And I love the so, idea of getting so outdoors and, uh, mm-hmm. and being able to remove ourselves from that so that the thoughts in our mind are a little bit more more towards the forefront of our mind. And uh, I love a book by Henry David Thoreau, <clears throat> classic, classic writer. And if you read his journals, he talks over and over about how movement, uh, he never used the word exercise, but he just talked about getting out and moving around uh, and how that improves or kind of affects our thoughts. And one of my favorite quotes from him is he's saying, methinks that the moment my legs begin to move, my thoughts begin to flow. A thousand rills which have their rise in the sources of thought burst forth and fertilize my brain. Now that is a powerful thought, that just getting out moving, then our our brain is kind of fertilized. Um, And I have to mention that brain scientists have shown studies that exercise does kind of fertilize the brain and allow it to function more more powerfully. Absolutely. Now, you, you had asked earlier, what, what is it that we can do to get started? And definitely getting out, getting into unfamiliar locations is a great place. But one of the things I think holds people up is they think, well, what do I need to, to, do, to, to do this? And I would say probably about 25 to 30 dollars maximum and trip down to your local walmart get you a was about a three foot by two foot uh, or thereabouts whiteboard something that's light and you can easy carry, easily carry around and a pack of expo dry erase markers and the great thing about a whiteboard is that you can erase it i love and my whiteboard i have to have a whiteboard when i'm brainstorming 
And the, the, the key there is just be completely freeform. At least this is what works for me is that I just put everything down there. I don't worry necessarily about the location with the exception of of the the central idea, the central message I'm trying to get across and three supporting ideas. Basically put that around the center, but then everything else, it just goes where it goes. And then I just draw the connections later because the idea is to just, it's just a brainstorm. You just, it's a basically a mental dump and then you can just pick what is was most relevant, most useful from that. Yeah, so you're kind of talking about the idea of brainstorming, and one of the important concepts to keep in mind when you do that is that you don't uh, criticize during the process of generating ideas. At first, you just write anything that comes to mind with no judgment whatsoever, and then there comes a point after that when you when you feel like you've dumped everything that you can then start to whittle down those ideas. And that's been pretty helpful for me when I've created presentations and especially when I'm trying to come up with an analogy or a metaphor or finding an image that relates well to the topic at hand. Instead of trying to find the perfect image, I take some time to just throw some ideas on the board and uh, and get kind of crazy and kind of far out there. And then afterwards, I can pick which one will really link itself best to that topic. Right. And I, I, one trick I found that when, when I'm stuck trying to find a great metaphor for a particular idea or topic that I'm trying to share is you open up this thesaurus this, the mm-hmm. and you look for a bunch of synonyms. Don't use those. Start looking for synonyms of those words. Uh-huh. Basically, go another layer, another and from there you can find some really creative uh, metaphors uh, for your for your idea. I like that. That is a great tip. I've I don't think I've ever really thought of that. So so separate yourself another degree. That keeps things fresh, doesn't it? Because sometimes we can get so hung up on the the exact word or the exact meaning that. We could have visuals that are just so literal that it absolutely leaves nothing to the imagination. And, and really, we don't want to leave our audience with no desire or, or, or drive to, to think about what it is that we're talking about any further. I mean, a, a great teacher is one that, that inspires the students to think about the subject in broader scope and in greater detail than than what was discussed in lecture. Excellent point. Um, so rather than just state the obvious, you know, right. step away from that and talk about some deeper connections. And come at just come at it your metaphor from a a uh, from a you know, really off the wall angle. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it, it could be a humorous uh, metaphor that you know livens things up you know provides that little mental break every 10 minutes or so uh, or sometimes it, it can just be thought-provoking as i've kind of taken a look at some different art forms uh, i've noticed that it's taking it's finding that other perspective that really draws people in and really gets them interested whether it's a comedian now, comedians, if you think about what they're saying, if you really analyze it, 
they're approaching very common subjects from just a different perspective and it becomes hilarious. And if you see a photograph that just draws you in, oftentimes it can be something that you've seen before, but it's just a completely different perspective and it changes everything. Right. It's a challenge I see quite often as I work in more of the IT field. And a lot of the people I I work with and interact with on a daily basis are very analytical. And they look things, look at the world in ones and zeros, um, a very literal uh, sense. And sometimes it can be very hard to get them to think in more abstract ways, you know, with those those really non-literal metaphors that that can really create engaging uh, presentation visuals. And that is something that for me was very difficult to do because. I, I do think of things very black and white, and I think that can be very difficult for science teachers, um, you know, other people that, that have to be very objective in their field. And we're not telling them that they need to change the way they think, but maybe add a different way of thinking in what, when you're preparing a presentation. I think it's especially critical in academia because we, you know, like I said before, you really want your students to take the ideas and concepts further and think about them in different ways and, you know, in greater detail or even stepping back and looking at the bigger picture after the lecture. You want to spur the the creative processes in the brain and the best way to do that is with a metaphor that just isn't so literal that it it um, really just short circuits the whole creative process the whole creative wiring in our brains we need to take a break real quick and then i think we'll come back and talk a little more about how to prepare the actual presentation and uh we'll see you after this short break Okay, so we've gotten a little bit off track in, in talking more about gathering the concepts that the presentation is going to be about. Um, but once we've brainstormed, we've whittled it down, we know the content that we want to address, then is it time to open up PowerPoint? Or are there still some more steps before we're ready to create the slides? At this point, I still wouldn't even turn the computer on. What I would do is I would copy down the results of the brainstorming. Uh, like on a piece of paper, a notebook, or something like that. You don't want to lose that, that valuable information. And then wipe out the whiteboard and then draw a grid. And that grid basically is giving you a whole bunch of boxes that would represent the slides in your deck. Now, you don't have to use every single one, obviously. But what it gives you is the, the opportunity to sketch and erase freely uh, as necessary just sketch the idea of what you want the slides to look like. It doesn't have to look exactly like the slide is going to look. Um, if you have a slide where you want to have a uh, picture of a person that's running down the beach, just sketch what looks to you look like a maybe a stick person running, and you can 
with a line, and then under that, write beach. So we, we kind of get know, to go just, back to art class in elementary school and right. just sketch and draw without having to, you know, this isn't going to be the final product. Nobody really has right. to see this. But it's a way to just kind of get those ideas flowing and and see how these ideas can connect. Absolutely. And it gives you an opportunity to just make changes wholesale without wasting a lot of time. Because if you were to do this in PowerPoint, as we all know, even some of the more seasoned uh, people, some, especially some of the more um, uh, tricky little visual elements or little tricks that we've got can sometimes take a lot of time. Um, finding photos, finding images can take a lot of time. So if we just sketch the kind of photo that we would want on the slide before we actually go and look for that photo, we can save a lot of time, especially if we decide not to go with that particular concept. I've lost lots of time when I try to, to put the brainstorm together with the kind of the art creation where instead of finding out exactly what image I want, I'll, I'll start thinking, well, you know, this topic could be illustrated by, you know, but a, a mountain range. Uh, and so I start looking for mountain ranges and maybe I don't find anything I like. So then I have to brainstorm another idea, another image concept to come up with. And that can go on for hours. I mean, fortunately, there's there's tools and websites that help us find those images a lot quicker. But even with those, you can spend an enormous amount of time just searching for just that one right, that one perfect image. And it's a shame when you get to the point of actually finalizing your slides and you realize you know, that slide, that's, that idea, that image just doesn't cut it or just even the slide or what we're going to be talking about on that that slide just isn't going to cut into the presentation and you've just thrown away two hours maybe Mm -hmm. it's 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 funny how how time can fly when when perusing Flickr for that perfect picture (laughs) it's almost starting to sound like creating the actual slides in powerpoint is one of the last things that we get to do huh one of the last Definitely don't want it to be the last. Ah, so there's um, more more to it in the end. Absolutely. Well, before we get to that, one one idea that I like to use to organize the kind of the visual uh, aspect of the presentation is to use sticky uh, sticky notes and just go out and buy a pack for probably 99 cents. And these work really well because, well, there's a few reasons. Number one, you can move them around. And so something we haven't mentioned is that you need to figure out how the, how your uh, topics can connect to each other, and sometimes it's better to to talk about one thing before the other. And this happened just last week as I was preparing a presentation for some people in the office. Uh, I, I went and created a video, and it was going to be one of the first things that they showed while other people were preparing the other parts of the presentation. And that video turned out to be, you know, I'm not bragging here, but a little bit higher quality than what the other people giving the presentation were expecting. And so we we realized that either they would have to step their game up, but they didn't have time to do that, or we could switch the order. And so by putting the video at the end, 
it didn't overshadow those other um, the other parts of the presentation. Right. And those and, sticky and notes are just a great way to move ideas around, and you're never stuck with something. Right. And the other great thing about the sticky notes is that they're pretty small. You can't fit a lot of information on them. And so if you use a pen, and lots of people recommend using a Sharpie, some type of marker, so it's even a little bit thicker, uh, you really can only put one idea or one illustration on a sticky note. And that's great because that's how your slide should turn out. Absolutely. And there's there's a couple ways. that I The sticky note route is, is what I like to use when I'm developing a presentation collaboratively with other people. Because what you can do is you take those sticky notes, you can stick them up on a wall, or if you don't have sticky notes, you can even use index cards and lay those out on a conference table. Mm -hmm. And you can move those around as well. One of the things I do, it's, it's sort of a sh shortcut uh, when I'm by myself, is that with that mind mapping, that brainstorm on the on the whiteboard, I'll, before I copy everything down to paper, I'll number them. Now, with a with a with a dry erase marker, I can you know, make changes, sort of like moving the sticky notes around. But that approach doesn't necessarily work all that well in a collaborative type of process. And definitely the, the sticky note or, or index card definitely, I think, works best in a collaborative area. Awesome. Well, we are running a little long, but I think we've given a great uh, <clears throat> intro to kind of preparing a presentation, going analog, uh, not really opening up the, the computer, not opening up PowerPoint or any other tool just yet. So next week, let's talk a little more about that. Uh, but before we go, I wanted to share a couple little... Uh, uh, news things and one of them is we want to share some other resources that people can use as they're designing their presentations and uh, when you open up PowerPoint you, you've got a selection of themes most of them aren't all that fabulous in my opinion but some people love them uh, so you can go out and you can find some other themes can't you Mike? Oh absolutely it's it can be a bit challenging finding decent ones that don't that aren't too busy, that aren't too kitschy. Um, so there are some professional shops out there that that do make some decent ones, but you got to know where to look. Uh, one that uh, I've seen, and I think I've downloaded some from them before, if I remember correctly, they they may have had some uh, free pack at one point. Um, but Jumpsoft has several uh, Keynote. Now, again, I'm kind of partial to Keynote myself, but the Keynote um, templates that you can use. Uh, they've got packs on their website and would just, you're, you're, you know, this is, I think, definitely a news item for, for Mac users because we've got this brand-new Mac store. They're actually making them available on the Mac store. And those are so easy to install if you're on a Mac. You just open up that store. You can search, click install, and, well, that's pretty much it. You're done. Now, um, now there's one tool. I just wanted to mention one more tool if you, if you want. Sure. I thought yeah, it was actually ahead. kind of in line with what we've been uh, talking about earlier today. Um, with the whole brainstorming process, you know, definitely believe that it should stay an analog process, but where that one 
stage in a process where I say, well, you, you know, copy down the, the results of your brainstorming on a piece of paper. There is an alternative. Now, I, I try to encourage people where I work to not use mind mapping tools to develop their mind map or do their, their brainstorming. But there's a really good free tool on the Mac App Store uh, called MindNode that you can use to copy down your your mind maps and your brainstorms. And that's something that I've been, been using lately um, as part of my tool set. Like I said, it's, it's free. There is a pro version, but uh, the free just works just fine for me. Yeah, I downloaded that, but I haven't really used it yet. Uh, but it is, it's kind of fun to brainstorm and, and mind map on the computer, although it, for me it's a lot easier to do it with pencil and paper. But in a bind, it's great to use this. And MindNode has, um, again, the free MindNode app that you can download from the App Store. They have the MindNode Pro that uh, you can buy from them. They also have MindNode Touch, which is available mm -hmm. on uh, the iPhone. And I'm not sure if they have an iPad version, but the iPhone version would work on an iPad if you have one of those. Like I said, you want to stay analog. You don't want to use this tool to do your brainstorming because if you were to use uh, a digital tool like this, you're going to limit yourself based on the capabilities of that tool. There are no limits on a, on a whiteboard. All right, so that's a little uh, app pick for this week. And I want to share one last thing before we go. I'd like to... Uh, just mention a presentation pick of the week in, in each episode, something that you can go and later on take a look at when you've after you've listened to this show. Uh, you know, just jump online and, and watch a great presentation. We're going to try to keep them focused on academics, but sometimes there's presentations out there that are just so fabulous that you can learn a bunch from. So the one I want to mention this week is very apropos to what. To what we're talking about, and it is by Dr. Chris Atherton, um, who's in the School of Psychology at University of Central Lancashire, it looks like. So she is in England, and I've heard her speak a number of times and follow her on Twitter, at uh, Finite Attention on Twitter. And she gave a presentation entitled From Cognitive Psychology to Learning Design, in which she goes through the cognitive science of creating PowerPoint presentations. And it is a fabulous talk. Uh, she discusses the kind of the attention spans that teachers w are well aware of, are very short in their students, and how to design your slides to increase that attention span. So again, Dr. Chris Atherton, I will put a link to this talk in our show notes, which you can find at um, brainslides.posterous.com and it should show up also on brainslides.com when this episode is out. So that is the presentation pick of the week and that is a wrap for this week. Thank you, Mike, for your time and where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Mike Pulsifer uh, M-I-K-E-P-U-L-S-I-V-R or on the web at mike hyphen org. All right. Thanks again for joining us. And you can find me and my tweets at Brainslides on the Twitters or at Brainslides.com. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brainslides and continue to present well. We'll see you next time. Bye.